everyone and welcome to Yolanda Yvette Speaks. It is me, Yolanda Yvette, motivational speaker, public speaking coach, author, and your podcast host. Like always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to book me for any of your engagements, uh, if you just want to be on the show, go ahead and reach out to me at Yolanda Yvette Speaks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at the same name. That is Y-O-L-A-N-D-A. Y-V-E-T-T-E-S-P-E-A-K-S. Also, my book, thespeakupbook.com. Go to thespeakupbook.com to order Speak Up. And that's where you'll learn the winning strategies to public speaking and making a profit in doing so. So, now that all that stuff is out the way, let's go ahead and continue on um, in introducing who we have today. Today, we have Sarah Schroeder. And her and one of her quotes is, it's never too late to follow your dreams. That's something that she goes by. It's just one of the models um, Sarah um, Schroeder lives by. Born in 1965, Sarah has always loved to rhyme, write poems, and make up stories. Writing poems helped her to cope with emotional abuse, undiagnosed Tourette syndrome, and ADD. When... Her last son left home. She had time to follow her passion of writing romance. Wait, uh, wanting something clean for her grandchildren could read and still be proud of their nana. Sarah published her first book, Twisted Hearts, in two, 2014. Since then, Sarah has started coaching women on healing from their own emotional, physical, and spiritual abuse. She has published a prayer and worthiness journal to help in her coaching programs. Sarah's strong faith has ignited her journey on diving deep into forgiveness. Her relationship with God has always led her in every step of the way. So, welcome to Yolanda Yvette Speaks, y'all. Sarah Schroeder. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you are welcome. I feel like I chopped up your whole bio, but listen, it's, no. be- it's better it's better coming from, from you. So I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners um, in your own words. So hit it, Sarah. Who are you? Okay. <laughs> I am Sarah Schroeder. I am an, a published author of Christian romance. I also write forgiveness books and I do forgiveness and emotional abuse coaching with women who have had childhood issues that are blocking or stopping or preventing them from feeling peace in their life today. Those are some heavy um, topics. They are. Forgiveness can be. Yeah, forgiveness in itself is difficult. Um, I feel like but that's just my opinion some people may say oh forgiveness is easy but I feel like forgiveness is a little difficult but now to do it from childhood trauma and hurts from your past that you have attachments to that's even that's harder to me it is it is and I started probably um, I'm going to give my age away but I already did in my bio right I was born in 1965 so everybody can figure out they can do math Um, I'm 55 And I didn't start my healing journey on my own childhood until I was 50. Um, And that's another thing. I mean, it's never too late to start your healing journey, depending on what it is. 
I just knew there were certain things that I had, I had blocks, um, some in my business, some in my personal life, where I didn't feel worthy, which is part of the reason I, I developed or wrote a worthiness journal. Um, a lot of times they say, you know, you will be best or do things that you need help with. Um, so I, I started that and, and I was like, oh, I'm helping all these women. And, you know, just talking with women and coaching women, hearing about things from their childhood triggered things of my memory that I was like, wait a minute. I didn't have, not that there is a normal childhood. I haven't found that yet. But I had a very messed up childhood, and I was like, oh, it wasn't physical abuse. Um, it was emotional abuse. And pinpointing that was really hard to, to figure out until I read a book, uh, and it's, um, I'm, you're not cra- or I'm not crazy, you're not crazy, it's your mother. <laughs> Best book I ever read. Sat there, and I just bawled the whole time I read it, because I'm like, this is my life. This is my childhood. This, this was my mother. She's, she's gone now. She's been gone um, since, well, 2006. Dear Christian woman, but she had her own mental problems. She had her own emotional abuse and actually physical abuse, too. Well, when you have that and you're parenting, some of that comes through. You know, and she was emotionally um, not, not filled emotionally. She didn't have her emotional needs filled as a child. So she tried to fill them as an adult, which kind of messed up me and my sister's childhood because we were her, you know, we were there for her, not for ourselves. You know, we we couldn't fill our own emotions. It was all about her. And that kind of gets into the narcissistic mother too. Um, So starting on that healing journey, it was hard, but I was like, wow. You know, when you start doing the forgiveness work and you start realizing, well, my childhood was a mess and you start healing from it, you you become stronger you become empowered you your worthiness your self-worth your self-love comes back and you just turn into a whole better person than you already are right so with the it's not i don't know if it's a blame game or whatever because you're maybe i don't know if it's like your your mom or the older generation didn't talk about what they're going through or anything they just kept it kept it pushing and i'm pretty sure the generations before then did the same thing so they only know what they were taught so it or what they were shown also so it's like how do you is it easier to forgive because they didn't know because in your mind you're like they probably didn't know rather than you know yes it is and that's one thing i teach in my um in my coaching for forgiveness is and I and I did this with my mom even though she's gone and I I think it's easier for me I think it's easier to forgive her since she's gone maybe than if she were still here and I had to deal with things but um thinking of her as a little girl what she probably went through with her mother you know not getting the the um, I don't want to say the attention but the emotional needs that a child needs not getting that it was easy to forgive her because like you said she didn't know she only knew what you know what her parent did and my grandmother who's still alive but on she's she um probably won't be alive much longer uh i had to forgive her too right for the role she played that caused me some issues and to do that i did the same thing picture her as a little girl you know whatever happened in her childhood i don't know but 
it's easier to forgive a person if you picture them as a child. Like, and women who, and I've never been sexually abused, but women that I've coached that were sexually abused, I tell them, think of your abuser as a little kid, a child having that happen to them. And it's much easier to forgive them than it is as the adult and the abuser. Right, because when you when you see them as the adult, you're like, they know better, they knew better, they, you know what I'm saying, they know right from wrong, but as a child, you're like, they're innocent. And who knows their innocence might have been taken or... You never know because you weren't really there, and I'm pretty sure they didn't talk right. about it. So that exactly. that makes so much sense, Sarah. So with your, because it sounds like you're breaking the cycle, which is amazing. So with your son who already left home, did you go back like to ask him like, did I do anything, or you know that? Because you didn't know at that time. Because the whole forgiveness and everything came later after he left. Like, did you go back in your own life with him to be like, was there anything that I could have done better or that type of stuff? That's a, that's a good question because actually I have two sons and that was the youngest that left home. Um, he he kind of raised himself. I Not, not, yeah. not really, but I get it. it seemed like he did because our oldest son, my oldest son, he has Tourette's syndrome also, and his is more noticeable. Mine is very mild, but his still is like um, physically damaging to him today, to his body. He has physical tics that, you know, like, I don't know if if your um, audience knows what Tourette's syndrome is. There's different, you know, variations of it, but it's usually a nervous habit you've had six months or longer. My son's happens to be something he does like the shoulder or it might be his hand, you know, just like going like that. Um, and it's done damage to his hand, to his physical, you know, muscles and bones. Mm. So anyway, with the older son having Tourette's, and then he also got into some trouble, you know, he was kind of our more um, outspoken child. Um, and, and it's in my book too, which is a free, my ebook is free for till the 17th. But in my book, I wrote about, because there's some things in there that I had to forgive him for. And I did go to him. Um, and I think I've gone to my other son too, and just kind of told them, you know, I kind of had a messed up childhood and, and, and they kind of know because I'm pretty open with both of them. Um, and, and I did say, you know, forgive me anything I've done that messed you up. I do want to say, though, I'm so thankful that God knew not to give me daughters <laughs> because there's a difference. I think it would have been totally different with a daughter than a son. I really do. Mm. Absolutely. I get that because I have two daughters. <laughs> a 17, well, a 17 and a 9. And, and it's it. I don't know how it is to have sons I just have like two nephews but yeah the daughters hit differently they they, they it, do it's a different it's a different thing when you have daughters because a lot of times you will really see yourself um in your daughters in some way and not to say you don't see them in your sons but it's it's a different story and then you want to be a protector of a, of your daughter a little bit more because you know what may have happened to you or I, it's a lot that goes into the daughters. Well, and just like with, um, because sometimes with um, emotional abuse and physical abuse, you know, all of that, you can have uh, like eating disorders and all these things come into play. And, mm -hmm. you know, your daughters more, they, you know, they see, oh, mom is eating a salad and drinking water and 
you know, it just, there's more of a connection of, I got, you know, I'm more like mom, because you're female, mm -hmm. I think, than having a son um, have a dis eating disorder or something, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the boys kind of keep the emotions to themselves, right. whereas girls, you know, they're, they're more open, I, I think, I have two granddaughters, they seem more open, but maybe it's their age, too. Mm, how old are they? The oldest is eight, and the youngest is five. And then I have mm. a grandson who's one. Right. See, because my, you know, teenage years are are stupid. Let's just say that I don't appreciate yeah. the teenage years. <laughs> so my They're nine, hard. my nine year old is still like, oh hey mom, you know. And then you have the the teenager, which is. I don't like teenage years. So I'm like, yeah, I can't wait till she turns like 20 and comes back, comes back like fully. She's on her way back to me, you know, emotionally. But uh, but I know I, I did it to my mom too. I did the whole, you know, I'm going to be in my room all day type of deal. So it's, mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. It's teenage, well, we had our, I mean, teenage boys can be hard too. And I think our oldest son... Um, it was more difficult because of his, um, you know, having Tourette yes. syndrome and he had ADD and he got into, you know, with the wrong crowd and just some things that, you know, as parents, it was harder than just having a teenager that went through the normal teenage stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the regular teenage stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I can't even imagine. So let's go back and we're going to talk about it because you said uh, in your bio, that you had undiagnosed Tourette syndrome and ADD because a lot of times even even me I'm, I'm 40 and I know the, the titles and the labels of things didn't they just are really new fairly new to say oh someone has ADD someone has ADHD and stuff like that back then you were just like oh they're hyper you know so to to go through your life knowing that you had ADD and um because they were like oh they just don't pay attention that's what it was yes. it was like oh mm -hmm. they, they don't they don't pay attention they can't focus you know but there was never a name that went with it um did it make you feel better a little bit now that you're like oh there's a name for it or I'm not yes. a, I'm not alone it's not just I'm not paying attention it's a reason why or even with the Tourette syndrome like it's a it's a reason why there's this you know there's something going on did it make you feel better yes yes definitely um with the ADD like I did not know until probably two years ago that I'm a visual learner mm -hmm. if, you know if you tell me you know here's how to do this this and this I'm not going to be able to figure it out I need to visualize it I need to see it or read it myself so school was very hard for me um I got an A in art and that's about it my math was so hard I couldn't concentrate you know it was it was just with the ADD um I wasn't hyper I just couldn't get it and so like back then when I was in school the teachers would um say things like you know shut your mouth quit talking so much you know and, and you just you started to feel like oh I'm a loser I'm a you know I'm yeah. kind of stupid because I'm not as smart as everybody else mm -hmm. so it was good to realize oh I have this you know I, this is me this is part of me I need to now that you know you have it you can learn to adapt um, and I tell
tell people I'm a visual learner, I'm going to need to see it, you know. And then also with the Tourette's, it was able, it was good for me to finally realize, because um, as a little girl, we had this thing, and I, I think I wrote about it in my book, um, I had a nervous habit of clearing my throat. Well, I would clear it so much that it sounded like I was saying, er, er, like that. Mm. Well, my parents even labeled it my er noise. You know, so dinner time was really hard. And then having a son with Tourette's, dinner time again was hard because he had some Tourette's where people, you know, like, like his brother and dad didn't want to eat at the table with him. And that was really hard for me. It hurt my heart, and I know it probably hurt his. So I was, it was him and I eating alone, and then my son and husband, my other son and husband eating alone. So dinner time has always been kind of a struggle for me to, um, to sit and just eat. I mean, I usually I'm reading or I'm doing something else, and I think that's part of it. But, yeah, getting to know what the reason that happened, it's like, oh, you know, it, it gives you a sense of... Um, I'm not stupid, you know, something's not wrong with me. I mean, you know, you have this diagnosis or label, but it's not wrong. It's just something different. That, it, it makes so much sense to me because I get it. But, you know, you have people out there that's like, that's not real. You know, they just gave you a, a label, a title, whatever, but it's not real. You just mm-hmm. need to be more disciplined or whatever. But I feel like it, it should make you feel... A little better to be like this is something that I have I can now research it and just you know whatever because it's hard to research can't focus you know what I'm saying back in the day what was that <laughs> so like, <laughs> one you had to go to like the Encyclopedia Britannica and that's not going to give you any information so um I feel like it's, it's a, now it's a community of people you're not a, you're right. not alone and I think to feel like I must be the only one like you said or I feel stupid. You're not the only one who has those feelings. So it makes you feel, it's like a sense of belonging um, Mm -hmm. to a community that has the same issues or challenges, not even issues, challenges um, that you're going through. And even with your son, um, he has a sense, I feel like he has a sense of belonging too, because you have it as well. Not the severity of it, but it's like, I know where this came from, even though I probably will still be mad about it, because, um, you know, you go through the, the whys, why me, probably, right? Um, do you think that's something to forgive in itself, too, the the why me part of it, and being so you know, mad that you have it? Well, that's a good question, because the way that I started on my my personal healing journey is I went to a class to further so I could help my clients further and it was a class on prayer tapping um, and I believe I mentioned in, in my book but in at this, this class it was like a three or four hour class and I sat there and I was you know just doodling taking notes and you were ha- you had to write down you know something that you needed that you felt like you needed to let go of and I or forgive yourself for and I thought oh there's nothing you know I'm, I'm good and then so I, I prayed I asked God you know if there's something I need let me know well don't ask God if you don't want the answer Absolutely. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden it popped into my head that I had to forgive myself I had blamed myself mm-hmm. for all my son's problems because I'm the carrier 
because Tourette's comes from a parent. It can't just appear out of nowhere. It's, it's her passed down. I can skip kids, like my younger son doesn't have it, or if he does, it's very, very mild and, you know, you can't tell. Uh, so I had to forgive myself for that, and I didn't realize how deep that went. I mean, I sat there for three hours in the front row of this class, tears. I couldn't get them to stop until it was my turn to go up and, and do, you know, work, do the, basically like a workshop thing. And forgive my to be able to let that go and forgive myself I didn't even know that I blamed myself but deep down inside I did so that's something people need to be aware of too if you pass something on to a child forgive yourself for that because you can't control your DNA Mm -hmm. you know Um, and the other thing too is with when you were diagnosed with something you finally can get help in that you know whether it's therapy counseling I'm on an antidepressant and I thought well, I've never been depressed a day in my life you know and my doctor said we're well, gonna have to stay on it pretty much forever and I'm like well why well I went off of it because I thought I can handle this I went off of it I think last year for like three or four months and I'm like I had anxiety I didn't know I had um, I also my my ticks got worse and ticks are the little habits you do with Tourette's and I'm like okay that's not good I'm going back on it a mild dose but enough that it helps me now there are some things that help with Tourette's syndrome and actually antidepressants can help sometimes my son that doesn't seem to help so he you know he has other methods I think that he uses for for help but um it's an individual thing you have to figure out what works for you Now, I I mean, I have like the tiniest glimpse inside of uh, someone with Tourette. So I appreciate you for that because I know it's a a lot. So thank you for giving me like the the tiny little glimpse of of, of someone with Tourette. Um, Let's talk about worthiness because you created a worthiness journal. So worthiness, what does that mean to you? Worthiness means that you know that you're worthy. You feel that you are worthy. You're valued. You are worthy of, um, you know, shelter and and, and, um, care of love of, um, you know, just being able to take care of yourself. You're worthy of that because a lot of times when people don't feel worthy, and I know I didn't feel worthy like when my, my kids were growing up. So I would, this is an example, if anybody out there is doing this, I would forsake, you know, things for myself, like things I needed in order to make sure that my kids' wants were met. Because I didn't feel worthy deep down inside that, you know, hey, they don't need a new bike if, if I need new glasses. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as a mom, though, we tend to do that anyway. And that's okay if it's a need of theirs. But if you're not taking care of yourself, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, and you're giving your kids, you know, extra the, the wants and you're forsaking yourself, that's not a good thing. Also, when I started my worthiness journal, I think the front page talks about, and a friend of mine had said, I never thought of it like this, but you know, when you're born, of course you're born you you feel worthy because you don't know anything different your needs are met you know the minute you cry you're going to get a bottle or you're going to be held or rocked or whatever then if you have a sibling come along 
you start to have to wait a little bit. You know, your needs aren't met right away. And you're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe that's okay. But then it gets to the point where maybe you start to feel neglected if everything is devoted to, you know, the new baby. And as you get older, you realize, well, there's things I have to do for myself. But, you know, mom used to do these things for me. I mean, it's just kind of a, uh, an awakening of, oh, I, I was born worthy. What happened? You know, when did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, along the way. My, my childhood from birth till now what happened that made me feel I wasn't worthy and one thing for me was my mom's needs and wants always came before anybody else in the household you know it, you had to there is that thing if mama ain't happy nobody ain't happy and, and that's <laughs> funny but it, it's the thing is is that if your mother is narcissistic mm-hmm. or if she has emotional mental you know any kind of damage there and she she will you know get her needs met her what her wants over her child's needs and that's when it becomes dangerous and that's when a child's self-worth can be damaged or you know totally non-existent even do you think that's something that could be healed oh yes definitely definitely mine is being healed I've healed a lot of it um, through, well, I should say I healed, God healed. Um, you can do some self-healing with God's help, though. But, you know, like I've done a lot of reading of, um, I, haven't gotten, I haven't gone to counseling. Some people do that. I've done a lot of reading, a lot of books on codependency, books on, you know, um, self-worth, of loving yourself, self-love, just there's all kinds of topics out there to get you started reading. And like I said, I'm a visual learner. So for me, that's better than going to a counselor and, and talking about it. But I did realize that when I would talk to my clients, I would also heal, you know, working with them. Right. Cause you're, you're telling yourself, you're telling them, but you're also telling yourself. Yes, exactly, exactly. You can't sit there and tell them, well, you are worthy, you know, you're an amazing person, and, you know, and not feel it yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you can, but you start to feel it. I need need that journal. That journal sounds so powerful. That's that's something that I need. in my that's in my um I think I gave you one of my links for my Amazon books that's in there so we're, let's talk about the ebook go ahead tell every tell okay. everybody about it well this is the first time I wrote something that wasn't a made-up story or a journal or a um a book with somebody else so this this basically is my story it's just a it's it's a short book um, because I'm still on my healing journey. You know, maybe I'll write another one. But this just kind of talks about things that I've gone through, um, how I've healed, uh, you know, how God has, has healed things. Also about, because um, I do talk about, there's three different times in my life that I came very close to dying. And God was there the whole time. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, you know, right now. When I was like seven or eight, I almost drowned. Uh, and I don't think I wrote this in the book, but... Um, I had, I felt somebody push me forward out of this hole I had stepped in. And I looked back and no one was there. So I know it was an angel that did that. Uh, and then I had a car accident, which is the picture on my on my book and my ebook. My car accident, my car was actually 
everywhere was totaled at broken half, except for my seat I was driving in when I was 18 years old. And I actually heard, well, I knew before the crash was going to happen, a voice in my head said, there's going to be an accident. And I started praying and thought the accident was maybe for somebody else. And then a few minutes down the road, my the ice took over, you know, I car started to swerve and I hit another car oncoming and I walked away from it which is a miracle and it was the first time I ever wore my seatbelt it was back before Iowa had a seatbelt law I never wore my seatbelt it wasn't law you didn't have to but I remember getting in my car and it was a convertible so the top flew off too so I could have been you know ejected out of it and I just happened to look at my dad he was shoveling didn't look at me but I just thought for some reason, maybe I should put my seatbelt on. So I did, and that saved my life. And then later, after my accident, uh, the news station came to my house, my parents' house, and interviewed me because there was a guy that same week who didn't wear a seatbelt, and he actually died, and his car didn't even look anything close to mine. So I talk about that. I talk about giving birth to my oldest son. I almost died. Um, just the ways that God was there and you know that he's always been there and I think because I was a I became a Christian when I was 10 years old so and even though there's times like in my teenage years I did stray away and he was still there to lead me and to guide me and then the the gist of the kingdom authority faith the reason the book is called kingdom authority faith is because God taught me just last year, the year before, how to pray with kingdom authority. And that's something I'm just kind of getting into, stepping into. And that's something with worthiness too, because as a Christian, you have to know your worth in God. You have to know how worthy you are that you're able to, you know, we're able to to pray things that, that are, that line up with his word. And, and they do come to pass. They will come to pass. You know, the answer might not be, and this is another book that I co-wrote I co with some other authors. Um, when God says no, you know, he always answers, but sometimes he answers no, but that's for our own good. But, and he's going to give us what he knows we need, not necessarily what we want. But um, I talk about in here, my oldest son's marriage, his wife had left him for a short time about six months which didn't seem like a short time for us it was the worst thing I'd have ever went through in my life and I'm sure the worst he's went through in his but you know in all aspects it looked like the marriage was over and God told me to pray for them he woke me up one night and said pray for the marriage and I said no <laughs> I don't recommend telling God no but that's you know it's a relationship you have with him and, and I said no they don't neither of them want it they hate each other I'm not going to pray for something they don't want you know because I was looking at what's going on right now and he would not let me go to sleep so I you know in the in the, the marriage was almost to the I mean I think the papers were in front of the judge almost the divorce papers and I said fine if you'll let me go to sleep and I started my prayer you know you know, Lord, please heal this marriage that nobody wants. I mean, I was just very defiant. And then something changed when I started praying. And, and I ended up, you know, I was like, you know, this marriage is going to work. And I was just really praying with kingdom authority that God has given us, you know. And the next day, um, the Lord actually gave me an idea to to tell my son about. And I did. 
and he totally did not like the idea and let me know hung up on me you know swore at me yelled at me and I thought well god why did you tell me to do that that was you know a bad idea but within 24 hours they were back together and they've been together ever since and it's been a year and a half so um when God tells you to do something or pray for something do it (laughs) Mm. that's your relationship with God is, is amazing because you have that connection to where you know it's him. Um, <clears throat> and my listeners know that's something that I, you know, one of the things that I, I, I'm, my prayer life is something I'm renewing and trying to, and getting, and getting better at, I'm not trying, I'm getting better at, um, at it. And it was one of my struggles. So I love hearing people's stories about their connection with God because it makes it more tangible for me. Like, I, I know it's real and, and all of that, but I'm like, wow, that's so amazing when you get to hear from him and you know that it's him. So that's that's awesome. That's great. Thank you. Well, you know, the thing is, too, I mean, there's times I've probably ignored it, ignored it and I know people will like, you know, how do you know it's God? Well, you can feel it, you know, you're, or anytime you hear a voice, I mean, the devil can talk to you too, but anytime you hear a voice in your head, you know, question it. Is it something that would be good and worthy and um, loving? Well, yeah, then it's probably from God. You know, if it's something that's going to hurt somebody, then it's probably not. Right. Absolutely. And I like what you say about your prayer life because I'm no saint. I mean, I'm, there's, I go days, sometimes weeks without praying. So I try to get into a habit of when I go to get the mail, is you know every day I have a walk up our lane which isn't long but I I then I talk to God at least I'm talking to him every day because I I get in the thing where you know you're like busy with life and kids and family and you're like oh you know and I don't I don't pray unless I need to pray unless something's wrong Mm -hmm. and I found you know that that's not the way it should be yeah so I when I walk to the mailbox I just say you know thank you Lord for and I just start naming things and you know just give a little talk to him so that's like I said that is amazing that is so that's it's, it's refreshing it's refreshing to hear uh we're going we're not going to get off here without talking about twisted hearts Oh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about Twisted Hearts because that was your first book. That was your baby. So go ahead and talk about Twisted Hearts. And I should probably grab the book so I kind of remember. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Y'all, she really, she just literally got up and just walked away to go get the book. Um, so right he, here. Okay. It's not far. Okay. <laughs> it's not far. It's just been so long since I wrote it. Um, but I did kind of a, a three a trilogy 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 I think it is so I did twisted hearts first and then I did um twisted minds and then twisted souls which I don't have in my hand because I just sent a bunch off but um yeah twisted hearts if I can remember it's a fun story and they're kind of for like teenage romance that's clean my dad, though, who is now 80, he read it, you know, a few, few years ago and loved it. So I think it's for all ages. But um, it's basically a love story between two teens. Um, and it, it's, it takes place at a school. And there's lots of different twists to it, which is why I named it Twisted, you know. Um, there's different things that kind of um, 
that you wouldn't expect or you wouldn't see coming. Oh, which is, is kind of fun. And it's not based on anything. It, it's just something I, I made up. And, and I think as a child, I was always this way, you know, making up stories and rhymes and things in my head. Or I'll have, I'm very, a very vivid dreamer. So if I dream something, I'll write it down and be like, oh, that could be a character in a book. You know, that could be a fun story. <laughs> but it was kind of a neat, I think for me at that time, I wasn't on my healing journey. So it was a way to escape, you know? And just, you know, get into, because when you're reading a story that's not true, you know, you're you're off in another world. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because you're able to make up what the character looks like in your mind. Like, you're able to go to that place that's being described, which is, that's, it's so, it's, you're able to travel the world and never mm-hmm. leave your room or your couch or whatever it is. Like, it's, it's amazing if you're able to take yourself to that place. And you're right that a lot of people do escape their reality through reading because, you know, their reality is not something that they even want to be in. So right. I, I get it. Do you still write poems? You know, I haven't in a while. I probably should. I can, I write on my website. Um, I have written a few things. I don't know if they're really poems. One was kind of a poem, but it was like the Christmas poem I wrote a few years ago. Um, so I, sh- you know, that's something I want to get into more doing. I actually thought about doing a book of poems. Um, but yeah, I think I need to do that. And I think, you know, anybody who, any woman, man, child, it's good to have a creative fun outlet mm-hmm. to do, you know, not just a hobby. I mean, it can be a hobby, but it's also good just for us, you know, writing those things down and, and like I'll do, um, free flow writing where you know you just take out a piece of paper when you get up in the morning just write down every thought or feeling that comes to mind and that's something that I've learned from I'm going to drop a name okay Julie Jordan Scott who is a friend of mine who I I found on Facebook I've never met her in real life but I've known her now for probably five six years Mm -hmm. but she was also the reason why I with Twisted Hearts this isn't the very first one I wrote. The very first one I wrote had a different cover, and I paid to have it published, but not edited. So when it came out, I it, I had so many mistakes in it that I had somebody on Amazon say, this woman, if she thinks she's talented or a writer, she's sadly mistaken. She should never write anything again in her life. And it cut me to the core and stopped me from writing for two or three years. And then I met this woman, Julie Jordan Scott, and she writes and she does poetry and she does acting and all kinds of things. And I just messaged her. I didn't know her, but I messaged her and I said, if you had a book you wrote and it came out and it was, you know, blah, 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 would you redo it and resubmit it, you know, and have it edited and start again? And she said, yeah. Now, if she would have said no, I might still be sitting, not have written anything. But because she said, yeah, you know, do that. I did it. And that's when, you know, I got that one. Then I wrote the other two. And then since then, I've wrote, written, written, I've written about six more books. Um, so, you know, that's another thing with our self-worth. At that time, I didn't feel worthy. If you have self-worth, one person, one nameless person, because it was anonymous, isn't going to bring you down it's not going to affect you Mm -hmm. you know or even people you know telling you well you're not really good at that 
you can say, I don't care, I enjoy doing it and I'm gonna keep doing it, you know? So that's something when you have, when you feel worthy, who cares what other people think? You know, even if, even if nobody reads the books, I'm doing it for me, although I'm also doing it for, you know, my granddaughters, so when they get older, they can read something that's clean but romance, and, and I've got several teenagers that I, that have bought in the book, or their mothers bought it for them, and they're like, oh my gosh, when's the next one coming? I love it. Um, so I've gotten good reviews by the people who, who enjoy it, and that's what matters. Well, okay. I I like it. I like the fact that you decided to, like, I'm going to leave a legacy of clean material for my family because it's not always <laughs> out there. So I'm going to create what I haven't seen. That's, that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. So, Sarah, I want you to let people know how to get in contact with you, how they can purchase your books, how, you know, all, all of everything. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Well, as a gift today for everybody listening to me, having to put up with me, <laughs> um, my ebook is free until the 17th. And I will put, I just found a link to put it up there. Um, but the link will be on my Facebook page and all my social medias. But uh, my Instagram, I'll put it on there. And my Instagram is um, Sarah Schroeder One. So if you do the HTTPS slash dot all that, which I think you're gonna have on there, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? Instagram, Sarah Schroeder One, you can find me on that. You can find me on Facebook. I have a, a group, I have a group, Speak Like Warriors, a Christian group. Then I also have a, um, a Facebook page called Speak Life with Sarah. And I think if you just, you can message me and get it from there if you can't find it. And then my Amazon, on Amazon it's author, Sarah Schroeder, which I think you're going to have the link to because it's too much to, to say. Right. Um, and then my email is sb, Sarah B. Schroeder, my last name at msn.com. Um, all right. I'm going to put this up in my, all my places so people will be able to, to see it. Well, y'all know it's going to be in the details of, of the podcast. Just go back to the beginning of it, um, click on it, and all that other good stuff. Because if y'all try to spell Schroeder, I'm pretty sure you're going to spell it wrong. So it's <laughs> S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. Uh, and, you know, Sarah is just S-A-R-A. But, Sarah, thank you so very much for taking this time to talk to me and to the listeners and just to share a bit of yourself i truly appreciate you being here so what i would like you to do now is to leave us with a tip whatever's on your heart mind and soul first thing that comes to your mind to always love yourself no matter what love yourself because you're the only one you have you're the only one that the world has there's only one of you and that's for a reason so that makes you very special. Wow. All right, y'all. Yeah, this has been another episode of Yolanda Yvette Speaks. And like Sarah said, always love yourself. I will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.